Blog Talk Radio. From the Windy City to your city, courtside, the matchup you've been waiting for. A field of dreams for some and a long ride home for others. Sounding so good through the air, it's like you're right there. Folks, you want to score? People, she's got your game. It's the Maya Kai Show, featuring comedian Nikki Braden. She is pretty funny with your host, Maya Kai. Radio never looks so good. Show Unplugged featuring comedian Nikki Braden. And our duty on this hump day is to especially help you kick your morning up to the midday. With that being said, Nikki, are you ready to get this going today? I am. Happy hump day, everybody. Let's do this. All right. So I feel like I kind of had a lapse because we, we had our first miss of consistency on Monday and didn't do horoscope. So for everybody, who is clinging to the edge of their seat, wondering what to expect of the day if you happen to be a Pisces, I apologize, and I will not forget that today. But how the show is going to unfold before we jump into what the horoscope is for Pisces, um, always to kick off that first hour with the show with what's trending, those hot topics and headlines everybody's talking about that may have a local, national, or international focus, and a new segment, the recap. Some stories that we've talked about maybe on Monday or last week that have some new developments that we want to share. And then we'll wrap up the first hour. We're going to have a point of view again. There's two different topics on there. I'm on the fence about one specifically, like if I really buy everything that she's saying. But we'll get to that in that segment. And then we'll kick off that 1 o'clock hour with the fringe. Those headlines that are trending, maybe not in your timeline, but they're worthy of being talked about. And because it's Wednesday, it's time to get some wayward souls, some honest advice, because it's what would Nikki say where she goes four rounds toe-to-toe. So make sure you're tuned in at 1 o'clock hour for sure. And then we'll wrap everything up with celebrity talk and side-eye. If you'd like to be part of what's going on here on the Maya Kai Show Unplugged, featuring comedian Nikki Brayton, you can always call into the show. We encourage. Matter of fact, Monday's show ended on a bang with that caller. If you missed, yes. you missed Monday's show, that <laughs> final segment. Actually, it wasn't even the final segment because we didn't get to it because we had a guy call in to comment about R. Kelly. And Bill Cosby, his conversation was more about why it would be okay to have sexual relations with a minor. I mean, so yes. if you miss that, you want to get to like the last 15, 20 minutes of the show is some serious conversation. But anyways, if you'd like to call in and give your opinion to everybody about whatever we're talking about, 310-807-5211 is how you chime in, as well as you can always get social with the show. You can find me via Facebook and Twitter at the Maya Atai Show. Nikki, how can they connect with you? I am Nikki Braden on Facebook and Twitter, the Nikki Braden on Instagram, and the chat room is wide open today, so I welcome you to come on in and have a combo. All right. You can connect to the show on so many ways. We try to make it accessible for you. All right. So let's go ahead and get into what's trending. All right. Most people You're doing it again. Know. You're doing it again. It's horoscope. Being, You're trying to throw Pisces shade now. You're trying to do Pisces shade now. Now okay. it's now shade. All right. All right. You're now shade. Back. The age of your is over, and I was going yes. off right past Shade. her. Oh, you're right. All right, all right, all right. All right, and, you, and notice, she caught me on that. My intention is to slip past the Pisces because she is a Pisces. All right. With that being said, let's go ahead and get back to our consistency. What's in store for Pisces today? Okay, and this is so true because I actually did it before I, I did this this morning. So, Pisces, listen up because this is so true. 
You need to confront someone about a difficult issue you've been putting off. It's, us- it's totally understandable, after all, because it's not fun to have complicated conversations. But the longer you put things off, the worse things will get. So today, stop being wishy-washy about how you feel. It will feel exhilarating and liberating to step up and just get something off of your chest. It's only once you get it off your chest that you will realize just how heavily it was weighing on you. There you go. And I did that this morning. And I was like, let me just make this call because this is getting on my nerves. And I did it. And then I pulled it up. I was like, holy crap, my horoscope was right. And also, Pisces, today, if you were born today on March 2nd, you share a birthday with Rebel Wilson, John Bon Jovi, Daniel Craig, Chris Martin from Coldplay, and Dr. Seuss. Did you say Dr. Seuss? Yes. Interesting. Okay. I mean, everybody you name for whatever reason, Dr. Seuss. The one I'm like, Dr. Seuss. <laughs> Dr. Seuss. You know, Dr. Seuss might have written children books, but there's a lesson there. No matter how old you are, you can learn from yes. Dr. Seuss. I swear yes. to God. So that's pretty cool. Can you say your birthday with Dr. Seuss? Yeah. You mentioned, did you say Chris Martin from Coldplay? Yes. You know, there was John Bon Jovi, Daniel Craig, out. and also Method Man is today. A lot of talented Pisces. An empty collection of Ben right there. Right. James Bond, FYI. Yes. But an interesting story came out about Chris Martin. And I had a different thought when I was listening to this. It said that when when Gwyneth Paltrow, who is, as you know, an actress, and his his estranged wife, they separated uh-huh. two years ago. Um, yeah. And then they had, like, an open marriage, so on and so forth. When he received mm-hmm. the paperwork for separation and divorce, he never acknowledged it. And he never acknowledged what? That, that receiving the paperwork, the he never papers? responded. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Like to divorce. So they're saying hmm. now because of that, they were they were discussing joint custody, but everything could roll into her favor for his, his lack of responding. And my thought huh. was, maybe he's having second thoughts and don't want to get a divorce. But they were like, you know, he just kind of ignored it. And I'm like, I don't think people ignore things of that gravity. <laughs> like when you get divorced paperwork, I mean, you can – but we're talking about somebody that has a financial interest in this. There's children involved. So to me, to right. not respond to it, I was like, maybe he changed his mind. I don't know. He could have. You can't toss that aside like it's a J.C. Penney bill. Like, I'll get to that later. You have to, you have to address, <laughs> address divorce papers, dude. You just can't do that. Interesting. So, okay, yeah, that's just a sidebar about Chris Martin. I thought it was huh. interesting people do not acknowledge their divorce paperwork. I usually right. think they change their mind or they're missing, not because they just don't care. All right, so let's get right into what's trending. All right, so okay. yesterday was Super Tuesday. Now, mind yes. you, I'm not really enthralled in politics because, to me, it, it always felt like a three-ring circus. We're supposed mm-hmm. to be involved in the process because we are a democratic nation. But I think everybody gets to the point with politics where you kind of feel like, I can go out and vote. But it's not like most people feel like they really have a true impact on how government is truly orchestrated. That's why most people don't bother to vote, because they feel like, oh, right. why? But then you do right. see the consequences of when you are absent and someone gets elected that really doesn't have your best interest at heart, how you then in turn go, okay, if you're conscious, you say, maybe I should have voted because having Bruce Rauner, for example, as governor of Illinois has turned out to probably be other people will disagree. So Super Tuesday is supposed to be that time when all the candidates, whether they're from the GOP or the Democratic Party, um, where the people are kind of giving a mock view of what they think in regards to candidates or who should move to that next final round of being the nomination for their party. So – 
not that there's a ton of fanfare from the Democratic side, to be honest with you. I mean, it's kind of happening, yeah. but it isn't like people are really all that enthralled because whether you agree or disagree on this, the two candidates that are running and Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton honestly seem to be legitimate candidates that have political backgrounds and, Correct. you know, overall seem like they know what the hell is going on. It's more right. about the, the GOP side with Donald Trump still being in the mix. I think that has more people absolutely, like, confused. So Super Tuesday end, and I'm like, this is now Wake Your Ass Up Wednesday, because after right. Tuesday, <laughs> I'll just say this. So Hillary Clinton kind of wins seven states. She gets Alabama, Arkansas, Georgia, Massachusetts, Tennessee, Texas, and Virginia. Okay, she walks away with some wins. I don't think that floors people. Bernie Sanders gets four wins in Colorado, Minnesota, Oklahoma, and Vermont. A very interesting mix of states in regards for Bernie Sanders. But it's more mm-hmm. on the side of the GOP where the question keeps coming up, when in God's name is Donald J. Trump going to fall off? He pulls off seven states. Almost identical to Hillary Clinton. He also takes Alabama, Arkansas, Georgia, Massachusetts, Tennessee, but then gets Vermont and Virginia. Whereas then Ted Cruz only gets two wins in Oklahoma and Texas, and Marco Rubio gets one amazing win in Minnesota. As I said, Donald Trump is going to run for president. Can we just say that Donald Trump is running for president? He's going to get the nomination for the GOP. Nobody can match him. On the GOP side, nobody can match him. He's actually going to be a candidate, and it's time that everybody face that fact. Now what we have to do is get in and stop that from happening, from him actually being the president. Nobody thought he would make it this far, but he's he's going to run. He's running. He's, and here's what's interesting. So I think because Donald Trump always has faith in his ability to pull this off, but when you do Super mm-hmm. Tuesday, which is technically a mock vote, it's a mock vote, but at this point I think it speaks volumes as a yeah. mock vote. Now I hear a shift in his conversation, and to me, he's trying to be more personal. I'm I'm feeling like he's trying to now connect with everybody and seem more sensitive. Listen to his response in his conversation when he finds out pretty much how he ran away with Super Tuesday. So anyway, I, I would like to, look, I just want to end by thanking everybody. This has been an amazing period in my life uh, my wife just called, and, and Ivanka, as you know, is going to be having a baby very soon, and she's a special person, and it's going to be great, and we look forward to that. She's back in New York. She wanted to be here. They all wanted to be here, but they're with Ivanka now, and that could be certainly within the next week. But this has been an amazing period of time. It's been amazing for me, even from an educational standpoint, and I think, honestly, we've done something that almost nobody thought could be done. And I'm very proud of it. And I just want to leave you with this. I am a unifier. I would love to see the Republican Party and everybody get together and unify. And when we unify, there's nobody, nobody that's going to beat us. Thank you very much, everybody. Donald Trump, you know, addressing the media at his location in regards to seeing the victory that he had and success in Super Tuesday. Tell me, that rhetoric you just heard from Donald Trump, okay, if there ever was a spin doctor, he's trying to be one. He's trying to infuse family into his conversation. FYI, mm-hmm. Ivanka is his daughter. Ivana right. is his wife. So just you go, wait a minute, I thought they were divorced. So Ivanka is his daughter. So he's not talking right. about his daughter having a baby and his wife being there being supportive and, you know, how they wanted to be here. So now he's trying to put the conversation of family on the table, not something that he really talked much about. 
um, trying to, like, what I say, put a bridge over troubled waters and say, as Republicans, as everybody, if we get together, we can make this work. Donald Human is trying to humanize himself to people who don't buy it. That's the first time he's ever come across Nikki in any conversation. I've heard of him as soft and receptive and wanting to be liked by people. Because that's how you have to reel in the other side of the vote. He saw what happened on Super Tuesday, and so he knows that everybody that voted for him were the people that's been behind this such rogue conversation and this harshness about um, other people in the borders. And so he knows that those are those people. He's like, now I have to get the rest of everybody. And so what is lacking to get everybody else on board? And it's that soft, sensitive side that makes him a human being because a lot of people don't. I'm like, are you even human? He feels so cold-hearted and like he's just going to get in office and just do all these rogue things. But now he has to bring that human aspect into it, and that's how you reel everybody else in. He is a master at marketing. <laughs> for sure, he's a master in marketing. He's, he's a character, and I think part of what you have to step back and ask yourself, do you want a character to have the highest post in this land as well as the global influence no. that obviously the President of the United States has? Absolutely not. And I was like, Absolutely okay, Donald, not. I get what you're trying to do. I'm still not on board with this. So I've had conversations with people that are absolutely supporters. People I'm like, really, you're a black person, and you're buying this Donald Trump thing. You do realize he does not like black people. Now, right. obviously, this is some of the conversations who are, that are Republicans and have money. So somehow I think they feel like they can align with this. But I also feel it's, it's an opposition to people who are not wealthy because we both know how can anybody support, besides the fact that racism has reemerged in this country in a way that I honestly – I wasn't a Never. that it didn't exist. I yeah. didn't realize to the magnitude of how it had been a sleeping beast for such a long time and how people were bubbling under the surface where some of us have just moved on and, and are living what we assume is the American dream. Underneath the surface, you have a lot of people that were bubbling and upset. It started with President Obama being elected, the first black president. Sure. And then Donald sure. Trump comes along and starts the rhetoric that other people are like, yes, yes put that wall up in Mexico and make them pay for it and just start doing crazy stuff. And all of a sudden, he gave people, I think, the courage to step out and say things of what they had felt for so long. Good, bad, or indifferent, I don't know. But I'll tell you what, his slogan is, make America great again. From a person of color, that makes me like... When was it great? people back in shackles again. <laughs> yes. Because for people of like, color, I, I, when was it great? great? Right, and exactly. An question, an honest no, question. Yeah. Yeah. When was it great? You mean, again, I'm trying to go back. I'm like, when? When was it? When you came over with the Indians, that part was great. When when you had everybody smallpox, when you had the slaves, like when you – when I'm trying to figure out when it was when great. When was it great for people – when was it great, honestly, for people of color? So I'm asking that question, and it doesn't – I'm not trying to be seriously confrontational. I'm not trying to, you know, incite, you know, people to be angry. But if I could do an interview with Donald Trump, I would love to do an interview with Donald Trump because I feel like people don't ask the questions that they need to ask, and that would be my first question. When you say make America great again, what exactly does that mean? And then he would be looking at me like, okay, I know she's yeah. up to something, but I can't figure out what it is. So first of all, the closing alone to me says, if you're saying turn back time, and obviously you still have to advance forward, but I want to know what you mean by great again because I, yeah. I admit, at, at, in its current state, by no means do I feel the country is living up to its potential and expectation. I agree with that. But greatness to me isn't falling back. Greatness is addressing the issues that keep this country from evolving to that level of what the American really dream is for everybody. And let me just say this. I get 
everybody's not going to have everything. Um, everyone's not sure. going to always have a slice of the pie because you do realize, and I say this all the time, I, I probably said it more when I was on 1690 WVON than I've ever said here, is that capitalism and democracy cannot be lovers. They do not work out right. together. They it's don't work together. In the bed. It, so yes. They take a cigarette, smoke, and everybody leaves because they can't be married. Because capitalism right. about everybody getting what they want on their own terms. Democracy tries to divvy up the pie and share with everybody. How do those two things work? They don't work. And that's why it's a problem. And it's not going to change because we're always going to be democratic and we're always going to be a capitalistic country. So we have Mm -hmm. to deal with the fact that a lot of people are going to fall through the cracks for this those very reasons. So when he says great again, I just need to know what he's talking about because I'm not going to be shackled anymore than I already am as a person of color. And I don't think people are well, asking the right questions of Donald Trump. Oh, they're they're not, and I, I, I mean they're not. Now we have to just vote. Now everybody has to get out and vote because he is absolutely running, and there's nothing we can do about that. He's running, and, and, I, and people are taking you, him seriously, which I never imagined yes. in a million years. I never imagined I, in a million years. I didn't think people were nearly as delusional as they are. And I'll tell you, just take a quick pick a quick peek at Super Tuesday in the sense of look at the states that he won against the potential yes. incumbent from the Democratic side, which means Hillary and Donald both won Alabama, Arkansas, Georgia, Massachusetts, and Tennessee, okay? Mm-hmm. And then she picked up Texas and Virginia. Texas is a good state to have, obviously, because of the size and, yeah. the, and, the, and, the, and the number of votes it gets. And then Vermont and Virginia, Vermont smaller, not as influential, and Virginia a decent state. So they both took Virginia. The only state that they buried, Hillary took Texas, and Donald Trump took Vermont. Now, with that being said, where does the vote fall when these two states, Alabama, Arkansas, Georgia, Massachusetts, Tennessee, and Virginia, get to a presidential election and have to choose right. two? There's a storyline right. here that people probably are not paying attention to. And if you think these are red states, Guess what? We have a problem, folks. Yeah. And we haven't even talked about California yet. But, I mean, I just look at this and I'm like, circus. Um, the bear with the unicycle and the small hat is in full effect going on. The clown car has rolled out and everybody It out. has rolled I'm like, out. Yeah. This is like a nightmare to me that this is still going on. And I'm like, but here's, I'm with you, Nikki. It's time to get past the shock and awe and accept yeah. he's not going anywhere. And he very well might win the Republican nomination to be the presidential candidate. And now he's going we have to. a problem. Because the question is, we have a problem. We have Democratic people that he might be able to sway because, if nothing else, he is a good speaker. He's very much like Hitler in that sense. Hitler was able to sway an entire nation of people because of his rhetoric and his charismatic nature, and he plugged into the points that mattered. He spoke to the little people, though honestly he was stepping all over them and did not care about their main interests because he wanted to create a master race of people, which most of them, outside of being white, didn't fit the description of what he was shooting for. He didn't even fit the description. It's dangerous right. to me. It's very dangerous to me, folks. You better wake up. It's extremely Wednesday. dangerous. This is like, extremely. You better wake up on yeah. Wednesday. And Hillary and Bernie, I'm serious. Whoever gets the nomination, actually, the conversation about if Hillary gets the Democratic nomination, maybe she should consider Bernie Sanders as her VP. I might be okay with that. I might be okay yeah. with that because they might need yeah. that. They might need that one that one two punch to solidify yes. their voter base. Yes. I'm serious. Yes. Yeah. This no. Really that's scary. that would be a great this plan. Is scary. Or, Oh, absolutely. I mean, if seriously, if 
if Trump loses, we're so screwed. We're so screwed. If you are not rich and wealthy, you are screwed. I'm telling you that. I don't care what color you are. I don't care where you come from. I don't care. If you are not wealthy in Trump's eyes and what wealth means to him, you are screwed. Because all of the little people, that's all of us, we are going to get so screwed in this. And that is, we need to really think about that. Forget his rhetoric about the borders and everything. I'm telling you, you you are going to be screwed. You think I'm joking. My exit plan is in place. (laughs) And if Donald J. Trump is elected president of the United States of America, I am going to Canada, whether hell or high water. Canada is going to turn you right back around. (laughs) I will find me a Canadian man and get married. I am not playing. I am leaving. I am not staying here. Because things are going to go from bad to absolute chaos. It's going to go to chaos, folks. All right. That's what's trending. Super Tuesday is a talk on everybody's tongue, and it's on everybody's mind. We're going to go ahead and move to recapping some stories we've talked about. My girl, Melissa Harris-Perry, I think I have a girl crush on her. Not only did she ever ties with MSNBC, she was like, you can keep your money because I'm out of here on my terms. We'll talk about that. Hey, we'll have more money than I
need some peace, just some relief from this voice killing me. You stare at me and you glare at me. All is vain, it's all the same. Okay, I think it's official. We have kicked your morning up to midday because I told you this is Wake Your Ass Up Wednesday, for real. And Super Tuesday is the reason that you need to wake up, folks. This is serious business, and I don't curse on my show, and I just did. Normally I say arse, but no. That called for the real world, the real word to be said, because I am just mortified. But let me cap some of the stories that we have maybe talked about Monday or last week that have some new twists and turns to them. Before we jump into talking about Melissa Harris Perry, who I said is honestly might be my girl crush, because I already Melissa like Harris Perry. I like her courage. I like the fact that she will stand behind what means something to her. She will protect Absolutely. her brand. And sometimes people will slither away from things just because they're getting paid. So we'll talk about that yes. a bit, about her exit from MSNBC. But before, just like we probably talked about Beyonce, I swear to God, for what, two weeks after the Super Bowl performance, apparently Chris Rock is going to be on the docket is a conversation topic for a bit because it's getting mixed reviews from different people about his opening monologue at the 88th Academy Awards, as we call the Oscars. All right. I saw it. As a matter of fact, that was the one piece I actually watched because I wanted to see, one, him, but I wanted to see the reaction in the crowd, which you may or may not have really gotten enough of, you know, once you see secondhand media outlets show, you know, re-interview it or right. re-show it. So I wanted to see that part of my own, and I was able to see it. I was perfectly okay with what Chris Rock did. So I'm going to talk to both of you on this. And I say this because some people have an issue like Tyrese Gibson, who is a singer that maybe nobody really knows. You probably know him from the Fast and Furious series. He's one of the characters in that. But on average, if you would have asked a person who sees, you know, those movies, they may not even know the Tyrese thing. So Tyrese was already upset about the fact he felt his album was getting no real kind of, right. you know, hype and then had comments about why do R&B performers not get the same kind of exposure that white R&B singers do, and he kind of went on a rampage about that. So he criticized Chris Rock and thought that Chris Rock had put Jada Pinkett Smith on Front Street. One thing I understood about Chris Rock's monologue is that, one, yes, he could have a platform. Two, it had to be balanced. You cannot absolutely alienate your audience because you technically are the host 
the Academy Awards. This is not the Correct. Chris Rock show. But two, he's a comedian. And I knew there was going to be some people who were going to be made fun of because that's what Chris Rock does. You talk to people about this, Nikki, and put this in perspective. Okay, let me put this into perspective. Trust me, Chris Rock thought long and hard about what he had to do and what he had to say. And a lot of people felt like the word cooning has been used um, in our community, and that's what he did. And I'm like, first of all, you need to learn the definition of what that is. Cooning is not when he you don't agree with what he said or you're upset with him. He's, he did not coon absolutely at all. And they somebody made the comment about um, – when he, he kind of changed his um, his material so it looked like he changed up his material for his audience to get a laugh, and I was like, that doesn't make him a coon. That makes him a smart host of a show. You're supposed to know your audience, and some people aren't diverse enough to have a switch to flip. So you, get, you say the same thing in front of people, and you, your audience is what – you have to take care of. So if you have a group of old people, you can't say what you would say in front of 18 or 19 years old. You have to know your audience. But aside from that, Maya, here's my thing. What he thought about was, and I don't know if he's friends with Jada or Will, and he probably is. It seems like, you know, they're the Hollywood elite, and he seems like they are his peers. He has to consider that if it was anybody else, I would make a joke about this. Just because they're Will and Jada – it's not they're not off of the table. You can't do that. That's his job. Chris Rock did his job. And I don't think he went he was disrespectful to Jada Pinkett. I don't think he did anything that was like torrid or like really mean and below the belt. He just said like were you really invited? Which was things that everybody had kind of said. You know, we I even said I was like only five people get invited and if she wasn't married to Will, she probably wouldn't be one of them. So he kind of just said that. And other than that, he didn't say anything else. And so I don't understand why Tyrese and everybody is so upset. And I'm like, what did you want him to do? Um, and what did he say that made him coon in front of white people? I don't understand that. I mean, I really, really don't, because he said something about somebody of color. He can't do that? That Here makes no sense what, to me. Here was Tyrese's response on Instagram. He took a, a selfie of himself, and this is what he put. I didn't watch. I didn't. But online, people are talking, and someone posted the tasteless joke that Chris Rock, in his opening, did you really use your stage to tear down and diminish one of the strongest, most fearless black women in, capital, this town, as the world watch? Jokes are just jokes, right? Not when someone is trying to affect change. Not when someone is willing to put it all on the line to affect change for our daughters and sons of the future. Shame on you, Chris Rock. Now let me run to YouTube and watch Leo's acceptance speech. So effing proud of you, Leo. And then he posted and coming about Leo DiCaprio. And that was his response to Chris Rock. Look, I say this all the time. People need to grasp this. People of color are not homogenous. We're not all going to agree on what should be done and how it should be done. Jada took her stance, and she has a right to do so. You also had other black actors who took their stance and said, yes, it's an issue. Diversity in Hollywood is not consistent, and it needs to be addressed. But one thing that Chris Rock said that I absolutely agree with, the people who were being rational and honest about it were people that are working. The people who kind of were lashing out and trying it. Jada does work. She does have a TV show, which I think got canceled. Um, she was on Gotham, which is a fantastic show, and decided to walk away from it. So, you know, she'll do stuff like that. So Jada does get work. Will quickly get work. I love Will Smith. Concussion was worthy of nomination. I will say that. But there were also other films that were worthy of nomination that also got snubbed. There are snubs every year. Selma, if anything. 
Oh my God! I saw Creed. I just saw Creed the other day, and I was like, I just saw Creed the other day, and I was like, what part of the Academy did they miss? I just saw it. I was like, who missed this? Actually, Sylvester Stallone was nominated. I know Sylvester Stallone. I know he was, but I understand this. But only time Sylvester Stallone is going to get a nomination with for Creed. Yes, it's always so. Unfortunately, Sylvester, that was it for you. If you didn't win it for Creed. You're, you're not going to do another movie it. that anybody is going to consider. But it, at least it did get acknowledged, and there was a black actor in it. There were other movies that had black actors in it. But I guess the, the mm-hmm. issue was movies that truly focused on black people right. were going to be nominated. I guarantee you, next year, this won't be an issue. Because I'm already going to tell you it's going to come in and it's going to win something, and I haven't even seen it yet, and I don't think I want to see it. It's the remake of Birth of a Nation, which cleaned up and got mad reviews from the Sundance Film Festival. And got, yeah. got one of the highest grossing offers to be distributed from a, from a movie production house. So understand, Birth of a Nation is going to be in tons of theaters, and I guarantee you from what I'm hearing about it, I've not seen it, that it is the buzz of the movie that's going to be See, why do we have to win better. for movies like this? Why do we have to win for movies? This is my, that's my point of contention. I'm like, started. we always have to win for movies. Of, of course, Birth of a Nation. We could never win for a Creed or just a I movie like that. that. We it, it always, you got to be a maid or a slave. Okay, whatever. I'm going to tell you this. I saw the first Birth of a Nation because being a film student, I had to watch it. Yeah, I had to, I had, we had to watch it in film school. Oh, my God. It was horrible. Yes. Film and even yes. at that point, it made my skin crawl. Now, yes, the the project's new project is an opportunity to put a slant on that. So we'll see because it's directed by an African American film crew and writer. Right. So this might be a chance to put a different spin on it. So we'll see how it goes. But it got, I mean, rave reviews from Sundance. And like I said, it, it has been the only film coming out of Sundance that the money that was paid for distribution has superseded anything else. So it'll be interesting. Like, you know, films like Million Dollar Baby came out of things like Sundance. Right. So it'll be interesting to see how this pans out. But my, here, I was fine with what Chris Rock said. He put into perspective what needed to be understood. That, look, this is 88 in regard to the Academy Awards, you know, an award show. Trust me, for 70, 71 when we weren't present, and when we could be present, at least in the 50s and 60s, we were protesting because people were being lynched. He made white people in the audience feel uncomfortable. He gave them a quick history lesson. He did. So he did. It wasn't like he totally was cool and mean. You asked your uncle Ruckus, which means right. if you watch the boondocks, you should know who I'm talking about. Right. It means you absolutely right. isolate and alienate yourself from the cause of your people, and you absolutely uh, you embrace the other side. He did not do that. Right. You may not like He did not at all. They, hey, Shayla right. and Will get to be a butt of a joke. He was like, Will made $20 million for Wild Wild West. That's, a, that's absolutely a ripoff, and honestly, it was. But it was, I thought he found exactly. a good comedic balance. I really did. He he really did, Maya. And what we this is the part that, and even when I do jokes, I'm like, it's the weirdest thing because people will hear one word, and then I'm like, that wasn't even the joke. But once you hear, they heard lynching, and it was like he was making jokes about lynching. And I'm like, no, he wasn't. He just said the mm-hmm. word. He wasn't. He didn't make jokes about lynching. So stop yeah. doing that. People hear one word, and then they miss the whole entire message. I was like, if you weren't just so hell-bent on being so negative and hearing what you want to hear, you would admit he made everybody white feel uncomfortable. Well, you know, everybody felt uncomfortable. Guilty of selective listening. I mean, that's that yeah. plagues the human species. I'm only going to hear that works for what, me. Yes. I mean, so that's that's mm-hmm. nothing new. Something else to recap on Monday, we talked about events that began on last Friday, where Melissa Harris Perry, who has that show on MSNBC, 
wrote a letter to her staff and coworkers in regards to addressing how she had issues with how MSNBC had taken over her show's commentary. She felt that she had lost her authenticity and the message that she had started out with the show. That email went out, and it went viral. Producers at MSNBC, which, by the way, is actually owned by Comcast. People don't realize how that kind of that ownership tree works. Um, she did mm-hmm. call them out and questioned if racism was at the heart of why her show's content was continually being edited and redirected in the direction she didn't want to go. Well, stepping away, MSNBC decided to sever ties with her. But I said personally, I felt that maybe she was doing her exit on her own terms because maybe she felt the boom was coming. Well, right. in light of that, interesting enough, we found out Monday for sure that, you know, absolutely the relationship was over, but MSNBC decided they were willing to offer her an exit package, which means dollars, folks. Don't know mm-hmm. the full disclosure of what was in the exit, but either way, she said, absolutely not. I am not interested. I'm leaving on my own terms, and anything you have, you can keep, because that's not what this is about. First of all, let me just say, I personally think it takes a lot of courage, one, to stand up for yourself, but two, to leave money on the table, because most people would have been like, well, I I did earn that. Let me take it. To me, that's the real message. Like, I don't want anything you have. Keep your money. I cannot be bought, nor can I be sold. I love her. She's my girl crush. I do, too. I swear to God. I did oh, too. I love, I love her. I love her. It, it mean, oh my God, is what she's gonna do just fine. That when you know that you're gonna be okay. Like sometimes when you're in that position of like, oh, if I leave here, what am I gonna do or where am I gonna go? She has plenty of credentials. She's a professor. I think her husband's an attorney. I mean, monetarily they're they're fine. Financially they're fine. But I think even in the arena of television and what she brought to MSNBC, because I would watch her like every weekend. I was like, oh, I love her show. Um, and you she's know, gonna be fine. She's gonna take that somewhere else because she, it's yeah. just such. You know fine. what I mean? She's gonna be able to do that. And when you know that that when you know that's true, it gives you a little bit more oomph and a little bit more power to stand up for yourself because you don't have to take that kind of crap. And I love that. And, and I absolutely love and that. And it's interesting because now she really has opened the floodgates in expressing what's going on. She's been on social media, Twitter, and issued some apologies to at Martin Bashir, Tori. Um, Finney Case, and, you know, she's sorry and ashamed for her earlier silence that she gave into the culture of fear at MSNBC. So saying Mm -hmm. that this is something that was widespread. Now, mind you, we saw the network having a shift in their programming for quite a while, especially in the minority programming. If you remember, um, several hosts of color, including Basir, Turi, and Finney, along with Al Sharpton, which I have no problem with anybody, like, cut his term short, and Joy Reid, actually had their shows canceled or moved to weekend. So there was a shift mm-hmm. in minority programming. But people said, please be mindful because several other white hosts in regards to Rowan Farrell, Ed Schultz, Abby Huntsman, and Crystal Ball, whoever named their kid that, should be shot. Crystal Ball is not funny. Yeah, um, that is not. It's hilarious. Canceled <laughs> or left the network, which I would then say, when you say those names, and I'm probably more familiar with Ed Schultz than anybody else, I would say, what were they talking about? What was their position? Were they too liberal? Right. Were they conservative? No, that will tell you a lot about the exit. People have long since said since Comcast bought MSNBC, little by little, they have been trying to recraft and restructure the message, and they want to seem and look more like Fox commentary. Fox, you're right. Yes, Great. She is Great. not going to be a fit for them. So she decided, before you reduce or preempt my show any more than what you have, 
I'm going to do this on my terms. And understand, people, it's hard to do things on your terms because that means yeah. you are removing your voice from what becomes a major platform. Staying true and authentic to who you are, it's a great yes. risk. But at the same yes. time, it's absolutely worth it. So I applaud her. And mm-hmm. if MSNBC turns into another Fox, what did I say on Monday? The one way to silence the voice of people who feel they are being marginalized and oppressed. You can no longer tell people of color to go back to the back of the bus. But I can't right. take away as many platforms as I can to silence you. Those who right. support the message will always align behind her and all these other people to make sure the message gets out. Shame on us for giving up media outlets like BET and for more black-owned radio stations going off the air. Now do you see where this puts us having limited places to exercise our vision and our voice? It's a very dangerous thing, folks. But, hey, you live, you learn. So kudos to her for not taking the money. I like that. Yep. I absolutely love that. All right. That's recapping a couple stories that we talked about. We'll wrap up this first hour and do point of view. Erin Andrews used to be on ESPN and left to go to Fox Sports. We know that she bummed out Pam Oliver. Well, if you remember, she was part of, I guess you could call a scandal, not so much for her, but because she was exposed when new videos of her were released on the Internet because someone actually bugged her hotel room and filmed her. Correct, yes. The individual as well as the hotel, the Marriott, where it took place. Take a listen, because a lot of people are questioning if the $75 million lawsuit on the table, if it's really worthy of it, because her career has excelled, opposed to being diminished. It's all a matter of a point of view. We'll talk about that after
We're looking to wrap up this first hour and put some perspective on it. You're always welcome to join the conversation. Don't be shy. 310-807-5211. Of course, if social media is more of your comfort zone or just more convenient because you're at work and you can't be chatted up with your girls, I get it. You can always find me on Facebook and Twitter at the Maya Atai Show. Nikki, if they'd like to connect with you, where can they find you? Nikki Braden on Facebook and Twitter. The Nikki Braden on Instagram. And the chat room is open for comments. And it's safe for entry at this point, but you never know. It is know. very safe. Every now and then, every now and <laughs> that then. That may change. It might all of a sudden just get hot and heated, and we always welcome everybody to participate. Remember, if you decide you want to call in, remember the cute thing is that I need to know that you have your hand up and you're in queue. So make sure you hit the number one key, which tells me you have something you want to say. Otherwise, I assume that you're just listening via your cell phone. Okay, so. If you remember Aaron Andrews, who used to be a fixture on ESPN, actually started doing their college football and little by little kind of worked her way through the ranks. She exited ESPN and moved over to Fox Fox Sports, which many people really kind of had an issue with because Pam Oliver, who was on her, like, 18th season, was pretty much doing the premier games with Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, was then going to be relegated to lesser broadcast, had a conversation with Fox where she had been out for a number of years and said, hey, you know, I only need a couple more years to get to 20 years. Can we just respect that? So she had to do the dual role, having right. Aaron on the sidelines with her as well. So there was a lot of controversy with Aaron Andrews' lateral move over to Fox Sports. Well, interesting enough, doing all her travels, obviously she's in different cities covering different games, she became victim of a peeping Tom, a stalker, who secretly had taken new videos of her and put them on the Internet. So now she is seeking damages of $75 million in a lawsuit against a stalker, which you can pretty much explain. Anybody who's seen a peeping Tom probably doesn't have $75 million. And the owners and the managers of the Marriott at Vanderbilt in Nashville, Tennessee. She blames the hotel specifically for the the, the stalker having access to the room where he created a peephole where the video was put. So now this trial, this, this case has gone to trial. And people are questioning, interesting enough, the authenticity of Erin Andrews. Listen to when she took the stand to testify about what happened with her. This is via of NBC Nightly News with Lester Holt. For a second day, sports reporter Erin Andrews took the stand to testify in her $75 million civil trial. Today, the defense got its chance to cross-examine Andrews. She is suing both her convicted stalker and the hotel where he admits secretly videotaping her. Andrews told the jury it's a trauma she has never recovered from. NBC's Morgan Radford has more. Another emotional day on the stand. I know I'm not fine. Aaron Andrews describes the daily nightmare of that secretly taped viral video and the therapy she still needs. Always have to go get treatment for this. Always go need to talk to somebody about this because this will always be on the Internet. She was particularly emotional when describing what could eventually happen when she has kids. What happens when my kids come home from school and they're like, Mom, kids are saying you're naked on the Internet. Traumatized, Andrew says she now does a thorough sweep of every hotel room. I look everywhere. I look for lights. I look for red lights. I look to see if there's cameras. Her testimony complete. Your Honor, the plaintiff Aaron Andrews rests her case. It's now up to the defense to make their case. First up, former employer ESPN. Did you see her performance suffer in any way as a result of the events involving Mr. Barrett? Uh, 
No. The hotel's legal team trying to convince the jury, seven women and five men, that the hotel shouldn't pay for a video that wasn't their fault and that didn't damage her career. Your income has gone up substantially since this occurred. Andrews argued back, saying the work is her escape. I've been overcompensating in my life, and I admit that. I feel like if I can do the top NFL game and if I can work the World Series and I can pass out the trophy, then people will forget. But, she says, she wants the jury to remember. Morgan Radford, NBC News, Nashville. All right, so that was from NBC Nightly News. Um, Lester Holt featured that story about Aaron Andrews who took a stand in her case. Um, she's suing for $75 million to stalk her as well as Marriott, uh, the hotel where she was staying if it, uh, at Vanderbilt in Nashville, Tennessee. Interesting, Nikki, this overall perspective, because some people feel that she is trying to get a payday for something that realistically she didn't suffer from. What was interesting, and I was kind of surprised, that right after it happened, maybe like a season later, she was on Dancing with the Stars. So what they're questioning is, you're saying all this emotional damage came to you from this situation and the embarrassment of having these new videos circulating around the Internet, but yet, from a career standpoint, you've become more popular than before the videos. And the question is, is there some legitimacy to it, or here's one better. Should it matter whether her career skyrocketed or not, whether she's using it as a means to, co- to cope with her situation, burying herself in work? Should that not matter? Is Marriott liable? Because we know the stalker doesn't have the money. He actually is incarcerated for He's been in jail for two and a half years. So he's doing what obviously can be done to him. This is really about the Marriott who provided access to the stalker. Should they have to give her $75 million? Well, I don't, um, I don't know um, if her case is legitimate because how do you if – if I go and I get a room and I drill a hole in your next door, like you're providing me a room, which you're supposed to do anyway. Now, what I do inside of it, you know, you don't know unless you know that I'm a stalker. You know I'm actually stalking Maya Akai, and you let me put me next door to her so you give me access to her. Other than that, if I just get a room and then I'm – I don't know if they're liable in in that aspect. But what I can say is as far as her career, I don't look at this as like – one of the Kardashians leaking a tape to become more famous. I don't look at it like that. She probably was embarrassed because this was something that was done unbeknownst to her. And even though her career took off and she is more popular, that still doesn't take away the shame and embarrassment. I don't think that that should matter. I don't. This is not like I'm leaking a tape so I on purpose so I can become more popular. I don't. This is a different right. scenario. You right. understand? Right. Yeah. And, and the thing that's interesting is the gentleman that was involved. His name is Michael David Barrett. He testified that he had took secret news videos of Andrews so that he could make money, so we don't know what he made from this. Um, also, he admitted that on three different occasions he had rented rooms in hotels where she stayed, gaining access to her. I mean, so this is a person that was on a mission, and yes, right. I agree with you on this. She is clearly a victim and never chose to get any monetary value, not that it had value for what she was doing, so she was a victim. I will say this. Right. Here's where it's complicated because – one, the Marriott, like you said, or any other hotel has no idea if a pervert is bringing right. a room to stop somebody to drill a hole. That's really out of your scope of knowing. You're assuming that people aren't doing that. And he was prosecuted. So it comes down to how much liability can there be? And is this going to now turn into when you rent hotel rooms, is there going to be something you sign that takes away the responsibilities of hotels if nutty people are renting rooms next to you? You know what I mean? Yeah. How, how do they – you know, if Marriott was smart, here's what I would have done. I would have just settled with her out of court. 
I know it wasn't their intention, but unfortunately right. they became the vehicle in which this man used to exploit her. I don't think it's $75 million worth of damages. No. But I think she yeah. deserves something from them. And because it was supposed to be in the safety and the overall was supposed to be a respectable facility that you own, I think they should take a little sure. responsibility, even though they couldn't control the situation. Yeah. I'm curious. It would probably have been the moral thing out? to do. Yeah. It, I don't think it's $75 million. I don't. I don't think they'll be able to hold the Marriott accountable to the tune of $75 million. She might get something. They might end up selling. But um, I think it's valid that she's seeking some damages because she's probably – that's embarrassing. I mean, that's very embarrassing. No matter what happens in your but, career, that's still that's very why, embarrassing. But the attorneys are doing this excellent job of saying, but wait a minute. You worked more. You were on Dancing with the Stars. So if you were feeling so shamed at people looking at you, and everybody would have realized that everyone knew this was not her fault that she was a sure. victim in this. So no one, I mean, people, sure. men might have looked at it and been like, ooh, but nobody looked at her like, you know, she was a bad person or that she was, you know, trying to pull a Kardashian and get famous because she was right. all, her star was already rising, to be honest. Right. So if she's burying herself in work to deal with the embarrassment, which is interesting because you're in the public eye, you would think she did the opposite. I'll tell you what's interesting in that testimony to me, and if anybody noticed, is when, ESPN had to testify a representative from the network and asked if pretty much he came across as being distraught or anything like that, and they were like, no. So it was interesting yeah, well, that some people don't wear that on their sleeves, and I, this is where the the area gets real gray, Maya, because a lot of times when, like, if you have a death in the family, if you don't cry and you grieve in a different way, people are like, what's wrong with you? I mean, everybody doesn't wear that on their sleeve. And so, and do you want to go to work acting distraught like a crazy person? And she's a woman in the sports arena, which is male-dominated. you got to hold it together. You can't be the chick that's crying and all of this. So you have to hold that together, and maybe that's what she did. I, I think that people are taking this out of context, and I like when somebody's a victim, then you take and you twist things to kind of make it seem like she's not. She was victimized. Let's just say that, period, point blank. She was. What happened after that is not her fault. Maybe it was to her advantage, but it still it still doesn't take away the shame and embarrassment that she may feel. No matter how she responds to it, it's probably still there for her. So I don't think that's fair. Obviously, there had to be a certain amount of embarrassment that here you are on national yeah. TV and now everybody can see you naked. I mean, there's no right. There is right. damage on that. I mean, that's embarrassing if you're not that kind of person. And overall, mm-hmm. she kind of came across as a more conservative person overall. And right. what's interesting about if you have a chance to check out the link, and um, it's posted on my Facebook page, Maya Kai, no, Maya Kai, the Maya Kai Show, is that how she went to court, though, this is when I think people maybe overdo it. Now, anytime you see Aaron Andrews on TV, and we've seen her numerous conferences, literally made up, hair done, you know, looking good. Okay. And then, yeah, she tried course, it with the pony in the beige suit. So <laughs> she tried it. Light complex, you know, light color clothes on to kind of want yeah. that in it, innocence and simplicity, no makeup on, hair pulled back. I'm like, okay, yeah. Aaron, let me say something. You still could have sold your cause without coming to the trial looking frumpy. Because to me, then that's when it seems disingenuous. Like, oh, you're going to show up here and not put your best face on because you want to come across as distraught? Which she looked. She looked absolutely distraught and destitute, which is what she wants to do. But I think this is why people are looking at this and saying, "Mm, I think she's faking it. And I think that's why people think that because of how she presented herself to court when you've seen her more than two and a half years looking very well put together being very well put together, which doesn't mean it's fair to read into it that way. But I think that's why people are being so critical of her, because it seems like 
she's putting a performance on. Well, that's a that's a tactic that you use because you want to win the jury. You don't want to come in there looking like glam supermodel because then it's like, are you? I mean, that's just a strategic tactic that you have to win I'm over the jury. Do. Screw everybody else, but you have from, to you have to kind of do that. From a psychological standpoint, actually, if she would have come in not like dressed to the nines, but just you know, she wore the same outfit. And let's just say she put some makeup on to look well put together. You know, and hair can still be in the ponytail. I'm fine with that. That might have had an even more powerful effect because here she is saying, I kept putting my best face on to walk out and to do my job when I was embarrassed, and then she breaks down like that, and all of a sudden mascara starts running, make sure it's not waterproof. Okay, like you trying it. <laughs> like, you trying it. No, that's like, now you acting. That's what I feel like, now you acting. I'm like, you are trying it. Boo you. That's a, oh, boo okay, you. Yeah. Well, anyway. <laughs> I do believe um, she'll get something from this because yeah. she deserved it. She was a victim. Marriott, I do feel sorry for them. I don't I don't feel that it was really their fault because this guy had very no. specific intentions. I'm going to tell you, we start to check into hotels. There's going to be a clause about stuff like this we're going to sign off on that's going to take the liability, if it's not already there. It's going to take the liability and the onus off of the hotel owner because they don't know that a pervert is checking into their room. They don't know that. Just like they don't know for thief. You already do that with your belongings. Like if stuff gets stolen, it's not our fault. They don't know how many thieves are checking in to break into your room, so you already signed off that. So I can probably see them doing that. Like we're not responsible for that. Yes, absolutely. You know, so we'll see. I I, I expect that she will she will walk away with something. Probably not seventy five million, but she's gonna collect. I'd say easily maybe twenty. I could see them giving her twenty to twenty five million on this, which is a lot of cash. For some naked videos, mm-hmm. I tell you, you got people who would do that, but do it just to make money. Um, right, <laughs> right. All right, perspective. When should you leave your personal opinion about whatever, whether it's about sexual orientation, whether it's about race, whether it's about women in the workplace? Where should you leave that at home? So Mark Zuckerberg sent a memo to tell his employees to stop crossing out "Black Lives Matter" on the company wall. Mm-hmm. So this took place at the Facebook headquarters in Mall Park, and people were crossing out Black Lives Matter and writing in All Lives Matter. So, right. I, actually, I'm starting to gain a lot of respect for Mark Zuckerberg. I kind of thought he was this young kid who really, after social network, screwed a lot of people over and um, ended up having probably one of the most influential social media outlets there is known to man. But he has actually mm-hmm. come to be, what it, for what it's worth, it seems like a very – honest and good person from the fact he's about to donate a good portion of his wealth away. Um, it just seems like maybe he's grown up. So at their headquarters, he had to do this company-wide announcement page where he, said, he literally told people, it's unacceptable and malicious for you to cross out Black Lives Matter and write All Lives Matter. And he even went as far afterwards, after warning employees, he had an open Q&A just in case you didn't understand right. what he was saying. He's like, I want my intentions to be clear. And he said, I was already very disappointed by this disrespectful behavior before. But after my communication, I now consider this malicious as well. So it happened. He sent out a memo and said, stop. It's not acceptable. It's not going to happen here at Facebook. And people continue to do it. And then that's when he said, okay, time for Q&A, which means you're about to get terminated if I can't do it. Yeah. You know, I just, one, I want to commend him for not allowing that, that, that mindset to fester in his company, sure. even though he should realize that you probably cannot eliminate people who don't get this. And obviously, Nikki, people don't get what 
Black Lives Matter is about, and we've said this numerous times, what it does not mean is that all lives don't matter. That's not what this means. It's taking a specific point that is an issue with policing of people of color, specifically black lives, that are being extinguished in situations that people are questioning, people aren't armed, and so on and so forth. And they're saying there's a higher stat that says black people are being encountered and profiled by police as resulting in death. I'm sorry, if nobody says anything, black lives matter. No point in time was it ever said that all lives didn't matter. That's not what the conversation is about. Why are people remiss to get this? I don't understand. Because, okay, and I saw somebody explain, he happened to be Caucasian, he explained it in a way, he was like, in case you don't understand what this means, let me put it to you like this. Let's just say there are people sitting around the table, and mm-hmm. one is Bob, and Bob says, Bob needs food. And then everybody says, all people need food, but Bob is the only one that's not eating. That still doesn't negate the fact that he doesn't have any food. That's what that means. You're eating, and all people do need food. Great, but Bob, had, his plate is empty. So what does that tell you? That's what he, And I was like, thank you. Thank you for explaining it that way to people because they don't get that. They just don't get it. We know all lives yeah. matter. But yes, I saw that. we're I the ones being post, extinguished saw, to the 20th yeah. degree. Yeah. I saw that post about yeah. the thing about Bob, and I thought, yeah. okay, maybe that's the problem. That we have to give examples that are so simplified to people that if yes. we're all sitting at a table and dinner is served and everyone gets food, but me, I'm like, excuse me, Maya yes. needs food. <laughs> well, Maya, everybody needs food. If you're all shoving your faces, that's a problem. Right. I saw his example. Right. He's like, it doesn't, like, it doesn't get any simpler. And it came from somebody who was white, which I think sometimes yes, it does have to yes. come from someone who looks like you. you know, and, yes. and, and Zuckerberg went on to say, this has been deeply hurtful and, and serious for the black community and really for the entire Facebook community. Here's the thing. I think that Mark Zuckerberg realizes that a lot of people use Facebook and that this could not mm-hmm. go unchecked. Whether it is absolutely authentic or not may not be, but what he realizes is that 55% of Facebook users are white and 68% um, are male. And it goes on that even though you see a lot of black people on Facebook, they're not the majority, but they're still part of the community, and we will not allow them to feel marginalized because even though they're not our primary user, even though that's hard to believe, that's where everybody I know is on Facebook, so maybe that's why I look like that. But he's like, they're a part of this, and we can't have this kind of mentality going on. I, I, I applaud him. Whether he honestly feels that way or not, I'm glad it doesn't that, matter. that kind, yes. that culture of hate and racism and being misinformed to permeate his, his, his workforce. I think that's really important overall. I mean, Maya, he could have turned a blind eye to it and be like, what? I didn't see that. You know what I mean? So he to, and actually hold a Q&A like, um, you, did you hear what I said? So I don't think, I mean, I would like to think that it's not disingenuous just because of the lens that he's going to to make sure that people got it. He could have been like, I sent out the memo and then I didn't see anything else. I don't know. And he could have played that game. But to actually say, okay, I'm very serious about this, he has to be kind of serious about it. For whatever is sparking it, I'm just glad that he's taking it to a level and letting people know that this will, this is not tolerated here. And that's that's all you can do. I mean, you understand what I mean? He could do nothing or mm-hmm. he can do something. He's choosing to do something, and I like it. Good job, Mark. Well, I'll tell you what. He better did something to this. Some black people work at Facebook, and he didn't. It was going to be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they were gonna, I can't believe I work at Facebook, and this is going on. It's allowed. So I get, there's lots of reasons why he had to do it. It's just good that he did do it. I'll give you applause. Regardless of what your intentions were as a business owner, right. you realize you cannot allow this. 
to happen. You just can't. No matter what the subject, it could have been something about the LBGDQ. It could have been about anything, mm-hmm. immigration. And you must stand firm and say, doesn't matter what your personal opinion is, folks, this is work, and I don't pay you for your opinion. I pay you to do something for Facebook. And as long as you're punching on my clock, you're going to adhere to the culture I am trying to make sure exists in my workforce. So it is. Nice job. All right. Yep. So first hour is in the books. We're going to go ahead and shift to that second hour, and we're going to kick off that second hour with the fringe. Those hey. headlines and hot topics that are trending, just maybe not in your timeline, we think they are worthy of discussion. If you happen to live in Alabama, you may not be happy that a law has been passed that's banning cities and towns from increasing minimum wage. Go figure. That's one of the topics we're going to talk about. Sit tight. Sit tight. Tuned in to Maya Kai Show Unplugged featuring comedian Nikki Braden. We are officially into this second hour. Thank you for tuning in. Remember, you're welcome to join the conversation. You can call in, don't be shy, 310-807-5211. And, of course, if you're just listening, that's great. But if you got something you won't say, you're raising your hand, hit that one button so I can know you'll be in queue, so I know you have a question. Of course, the chat room is open, but if you want to get social with the show, which I always encourage people to do, you can find me on Facebook and Twitter at the Maya Kai Show, Nikki. If they would like to converse with you, where can they find you? <laughs> I'm Nikki Braden on Facebook and Twitter, the Nikki Braden on Instagram. All right, so the Fringe. There's lots of different media outlets, online websites that information is abound, which is good and bad sometimes because you can't really keep track of everything that's out there. So occasionally when a story comes across, maybe, you know, my screen or Nikki's screen, you're like, you know what, this is, this is worth sharing because – Often mm-hmm. what happens in one part of the country 
may flow to another part of the country over time. So, with that being said, if you're not familiar with Fight 415, that is the nationwide movement to increase minimum wage. It varies from state to state what your minimum wage is, but up to $15 an hour. And it really impacts yeah. a lot of service industry professionals. I want to say leading this fight are a lot of people who work specifically like in the fast food industry, um, that yes. often minimum wage is where they start. Well, from, from state to state, actually some states have already raised their minimum wage. I know California has, which is interesting because the cost of living in California is already expensive. So I can only imagine yes. hiking something up to, I want to say, it was closer to around San Francisco. The increase is well over 15. I thought that's fantastic. But what's interesting is to live in San Francisco, it costs more than $15 an hour. So, honestly, that's an improvement, but it's still the cost of living there. There's an imbalance that only made it a little better for people. Well, Correct. the fight for 15 took, just took a, a, a hit below the belt, or at least the Mason-Dixon line. And I say that because Alabama passes a law banning cities and towns from increasing minimum wage. Now, the state Senate passed this. That's going to avoid, um, it voids out an actual Birmingham City ordinance that was attempting to raise minimum wage to just, listen to this, just raise it to Nikki, 10 10 $10.10. Wow. That's it, $10.10. Wow. Not 15 even, but $10.10. Right. And it lost on a vote of 23 to 11. Hmm. I'm trying to put this into a perspective of of why, because when you mention the cost of living in California, I'm like, they're probably still poor. So I'm like, I mean, that it is so very expensive to live in California. It's nuts. I'm trying to figure out what Alabama has going on. Are they like, you don't need $10 to live, or will that make you rich, or maybe we can't afford I mean, I'm trying to figure out what this is, because it's only $10.10, so I'm like, what is the push that you don't want people to have $10.10? Like, would that put them well, okay. over the so pot? We, we have to accept that probably the cost of living, I would think, in Alabama, specifically in Birmingham you know, County, is probably not anywhere near what it would be in California, no. or even in Illinois. Correct. Illinois is ridiculously expensive, believe it or not. And right Correct. now, as it stands, the minimum wage there is seven twenty-five. Here's what I find staggering about that: that the federal minimum wage has been seven dollars and twenty-five cents since, since two thousand and nine. If there's wow. anything that I wish that President Obama would have tackled, would have been at least raising the federal minimum wage to ten dollars an hour, at least minimum. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I don't care where you live at, seven twenty five an hour, whether it's Alabama, whether it's, you know, Arkansas or those states where the cost of living is lower, South Dakota, seven twenty five still isn't a lot of money. Just health care alone, you know, your living yeah. expenses, your mortgage, your rent, your car note, that's insane. Sure. Seven twenty five is an insult. As a nation that has as many resources and the wealth that's in this country, why are we functioning off seven twenty five an hour? That's ignorant. I don't know. It is ridiculous. No, it is. That's oh, ignorant. terrible. No, no, it's ignorant. It goes beyond ridiculous because I was like, and, and I, I would wonder why multiple presidents, and this is 09, why this hasn't been raised from a federal level. That doesn't right. make any sense to me. So look at it this way. If you were an American working full-time, a 40-hour a week, 52 weeks a year, with a wage of 70, 20, 7.25 an hour, do you know what your annual income would be? Fifteen grand. Just a hair. Just a hair <laughs> over $15,000. And I mean a hair, $80. Grand. And mind you, that's, that's, before tax, that's, 
That's the gross. That's not the net. That's not what you're catching after the government comes and digs in your pockets and gets paid before you get paid. That's your gross, not your net. Nobody can live off of that. I don't care where you no. live. Nobody can live off of that. That's that's what I'm saying. I'm like, even with the cost of living being low in Birmingham, I'm like, still, what's the big deal about $10? I mean, you understand what I mean? I'm like, seven twenty-five. nobody can live off of that. I don't care what hole and part of the world you live in. You have to live in a third world country to be able to live off of seven twenty-five. So why not? I'm trying to figure out what the pushback is for $10. And it's interesting because here's how far that Alabama went with it. So they're blocking Birmingham's attempt to raise the city's minimum wage, but they also approved legislation that would strip other cities of their ability to set hourly pay requirements. I'm not quite sure what's going on in Alabama. I don't understand. But I'll tell you what, people, this is why this is Wake Your Ass Up Wednesday. Because these people that you voted or didn't vote for, now look what they've done to you. See what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? When you don't vote, what happens opposed to when you do vote? But these people are showing you what they're made of. That vote passed 23 to 11. 23 individuals, almost an overwhelming majority in that Senate, felt that raising the minimum wage and having people make more than $15,000 a year if they're working full-time isn't good enough. And there's only 29 states right now that has raised their minimum wage above the federal wage limit. And there are a couple, like, different local governments that have increased their wages as well. So Berkeley, um, Berkeley, Oakland, San Francisco, and California has raised has done the raise. And Chicago actually has, too. It's, it's set to do a raise. Um, Portland and Maine, Seattle and Washington, and other cities have raised their minimum wage as high as 15, but most have settled close more around 10 to 12 is where most of them are sitting, except for San Francisco is the one that's almost like $17 an hour. Yeah. Well, and then I ask you, so the question now is, Maya, and people, you need to think about this. If Trump is president, do you think he's going to care about your 725? You are screwed. You understand what I mean? You are absolutely, if you think he's going to care about raising your minimum wage, you are out of your mind. Be very cognizant of this and conscious people because this is only going to get worse. This is only going to get worse. People say don't care about poor people. This way about anybody who's been in the Oval Office since be- before '09, but especially I-, I guess part of the reason I understand maybe there was not increase in the, in, in the federal wage limit is because give it time, and I'm finally hearing the rhetoric come around of people saying that we were in a depression for almost seven to ten years. People were calling it a recession. No, folks, we were in a depression yeah, no. for a solid seven years because people yeah, that was the potato homes, famine. Dogs, <laughs> people had to move in with that family members. The- um, food yes. pantry, lines, it got ugly. That's not a recession, folks. So the I Irish potato famine, it was horrible. Yeah. Horrible. <laughs> I remember, yeah, Irish I potato famine. There wasn't a raise, at least for, let's say, in the last 10 years, honestly, because as a country we were trying to rebound our economy. So I do understand right. why there wasn't an increase. But now it's really time to have a serious conversation about yeah. I do agree. The federal floor should be at least ten to twelve dollars. And yeah. people are saying they're trying to shoot for that change by twenty twenty. Look, why does it take another That's two too late. years before? Right. Why do we need four more years before we can raise the federal minimum wage? No. That's this is a simple conversation. To live in this country, no matter where you are, a minimum of ten. I, I will. I will go with ten dollars. That's like a three two seventy five dollar increase. I can accept that. I get it. Mm-hmm. I just think it's so sad that we marginalize people. I get the fight for 15. I'll be honest. I don't know that 
$15 for McDonald's or anywhere else is necessary to use every time I get my bag. And I go there all the time. I hate to admit that. But because I'm, like, I'm, I'm in love with the parfaits and those stupid mozzarella sticks have me like addicted. Like, I'm just cracking that. Bam! Um, Bam! Mozzarella sticks at McDonald's? Girl. Oh, my God. And the marinara. Stuff. I can't. I'm when like, is the last time I've been them? And the sweet tea. Uh, there's certain things I get all the time at McDonald's. And it's a couple items. And I like their parfaits and their oatmeal. So there's certain things I get, like, all the time. Not really, like, the hamburgers. Not that stuff. It's different stuff they have. So... Every time I get my order, something is wrong. The simplest thing, like, do not put ice in my sweet tea, throws everybody for a loop, and I get ice every time. So I'm like, before I pay you $15 an hour, can you please learn how to get it right? And I'm going to tell you something. If McDonald's starts paying people $15 an hour, there's going to be a shift in the workforce because most people who wouldn't take those jobs will take those jobs because, yeah. oh, like, $15 an hour for me to take an hour and order at McDonald's? I'll do that because it's $15 an hour. And people who have those jobs, the, the requirements and expectations are going to raise exponentially on them. I'm serious. I'm McDonald's is rolling. No, McDonald's is rolling out a screen where you don't need anybody. You walk up and you just push it in yourself, and it goes sure. to the back, and they make your food. And it's like you don't even need to talk to anybody. So they're I'm like, okay, before them. we pay somebody fifteen dollars an hour, we'll just have this automated. You push in your order, and somebody will just give it to you, and you don't well, even you have to talk to anybody. You know what they're already doing. You know what they're already doing. When McDonald's had an app that just rolled out maybe, like, what, three or four months ago? I was like, why in, in, in Peter, Paul, and Mary and all the rest of the disciples, why in God's name is there an app for McDonald's? And you know why? Because, yeah. The only people that order a hand yes. and take out yes. become the yes. middleman of the person taking the order. Right. People are you don't have to talk to anybody. Yep. yep. So McDonald's was like, before I pay you $15 an hour, guess what? I was we don't even need automated that. And we yes. don't need you. We'll need, we'll need minimal yep. people to make sure it runs like clockwork. Interesting. Mm-hmm. See how that works? See how corporations yes. will figure out a way to work around? Because I said this too. I said, do you understand what this does to small businesses if they do raise it to $15 an hour? They're already fighting to survive, and they won't be able right. to pay people that. I mean, so there's right. a lot of issues I understand that we have to work out when we talk about raising minimal wage. It's great for big boxes and corporations, but your middle to small companies sure. can't survive. They're barely getting over. So it is a real conversation that we need to have and figure out how we can help the economy grow and help small businesses and big businesses still be around, but at the same time, give people a reasonable income that they can live on. It's a very interesting situation. Another story that's out there. (laughs) This is interesting. If you're not familiar with Truvada, it is an HIV preventative medication, which, first of all, I would say there's an HIV preventative medication. Hmm. I don't trust science. I just tell you, when it comes to certain things, birth control only has a 99% effective rate. And that means if you take another medication that conflicts, conflicts your birth control, you could end up pregnant. Oh, yeah. It's not even full uh, so like, uh, Antibiotic. Do not take an yeah. antibiotic. If you are on birth control, you take that. I am telling you, you will have a baby. <laughs> You'll you be pregnant. You'll be pregnant. Yes, you will be pregnant. <laughs> I don't care if there is a preventative medication for HIV people. You need to practice safe sex. Don't ever right. feel like something is infallible. And now they're finding the first reported case from a man who was taking Truvada for more than 24 months and is now infected with HIV. And they're finding the strain that he was infected with is actually it's mutated and it's more resistant and the medication could not stop it. Who was he messing people. around with? Good Girl, God he, Almighty! He was talking to talk about letting it all hang. This happened in Canada when the research was happening, and they said he's been on it for 24 months. So clearly, the medication had titrated into his system. 
he's 43, and they said, you know, obviously he was having sex with men. Not obviously, that's not nice. He was having sex with men. Saying obvious is making a huge, you know, kind of wrong thing to say. So, Mike, correct yourself. He was having sex with men, and that's how he got infected. And they said it's a very rare strain. HIV has been modifying and, and, and changing itself for a while. As, by the way, uh, viruses where? Why do you think we can't get rid of the common cold? Cause it's not you can't get rid of the cold because it changes. Yes. The virus, the strain <laughs> of the changes. virus, like, it oh, changes. Guess what? Yes. I'm coming back different yeah. next year. It's like a flu, yes. the flu virus. I had to get a flu yes. shot for work, and my flu shot did not work with a strain that was out that year. Viruses yes. are smart, folks. They're smart. Now, if you yeah. have a conspiracy, go right ahead and say it's government. I don't care. But the bottom line is, I don't care if there is a preventative medication for anything on HIV. One, safe sex is the wrong to take. You should still be using other forms of prevention like condom, folks. Don't be so right. stupid. Are you kidding me? It's HIV. It can kill you. It can kill you. Literally. Anything that can kill you, you take a couple preventatives. You understand what I mean? Even if... You're on birth control. If you really don't want to have a baby, you're going to take another precaution over that because you know it's only so effective. And in case you have a oops or a, a mishap, you are still covering your bases. I mean, you don't just they are saying, be like, okay, you understand what I mean? Yeah, you cover your bases. Like, just blow it off. They are saying that Truvada, for what it's worth, had, re- had reduced HIV transmission by almost 90% in certain cities. It, said it was actually almost 99% effective when taken four times a week. So one – this is one of those cases where he probably was having, not he probably, he was having unprotected sex and came across somebody who had a different strain of the virus that Truvada was not set to address. But I just, he has people, no. safe sex no matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter. Don't fall in line with, it's preventative. Preventative doesn't mean 100%. Nothing's 100%, FYI. It's only 99%. Yeah, right. So I thought that was interesting. First of all, I didn't even know there was a preventative drug for HIV. And I didn't I either. Care. Right, and I don't care, and and in this like hope versions of HIV apparently. So you need to. Can you imagine taking this and like you're not still got it like the double? Oh my gosh, this is crazy. Safe sex. That's the only way that you can prevent this because that is terrible. That is terrible. That is terrible. So that's that's the fringe. Some hot topic hmm. headlines are trending. Maybe just not in your timeline. We figured that we share. All right, we're gonna take another break, and we come back. It's time for. What would Nikki say where she goes four rounds toe to toe with Dear Abby? Thank you so much. Good night, everybody. It's Amaya. I'm playing Yeah. 
Welcome back to the Maya Kai Show Unplugged. We are into this second hour because it's Wednesday. That means it is top four. What would Nikki say? Where she goes, four rounds toe-to-toe with dear Abby, trying to give wayward souls some advice. And so far, she has owned the ring. And dear Abby has come close a couple times, but has not been able to get a win. Now, FYI, couple rules of engagement. <laughs> she never sees the scenarios I'm going to present to her before, and hence she does not know what dear Abby would say in response. So with all yep. further ado, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Round one. I'm going to start heavy, and then we're going to get light, because then, you know, we're wrapping oh, down the show. But, okay, so these, are, these first two might be a little hairy, but the other the other two will definitely be interesting and, and fun. All right, so, woman's secret past revealed makes fiancé doubt the future. Wait, what? My fiancé, woman's secret past revealed. Oh, I thought you said Juan. I'm like, what? I'm like, who the hell is Juan? Okay. (laughs) Okay, got (laughs) it. Reveal. Make fiancé doubt the future. All right. My fiancé and I have known each other since high school. I was Mm -hmm. a good kid with honors and the right parents. She was considered trouble and didn't have the best home life. Rumor had it that she had moonlighted as a stripper our senior year. But I always blew it off and thought it was false. Fast forward 12 years. I ran into her recently, and we decided to have dinner. I fell in love with her on that date. A few months went by, and I mentioned the rumors. She wasn't upset, and a matter of fact, they explained that she did start stripping in high school and continue through college. It bothered me, but the benefits of being with her far outweighed the negative. Now that we are engaged, she told me she had to come clean. She said... There were times in college when she had other regular clients. I'm floored. She basically admitted she had prostituted herself. I don't know what to do. I don't want to blame her for her past indiscretions, but this is a big deal. I don't know how to let it go. Advice, please. Guy needs advice. Okay. I mean, essentially, and I don't, I, I don't know really that lifestyle, but I always assume that that's what strippers do. Like when they take you to the champagne room or whatever that room is, that private, I just always assume that that's what, what they do. So it kind of goes with the territory. I, I get that sometimes people can't get over that. that. That's a big deal for some people. Some people don't like their, especially for men, men do not like their women exposed like that and to know that other men have been with their wife, especially wife, in that way and capacity and you've kind of been out there. If that's very hard for you to get over, you don't want to carry that into a marriage. So either you have to find a way to see if it's something that you can kind of um, put to the back of your mind and you can get over it and you can have a healthy marriage, but do not start a marriage with this baggage knowing that that's going to always be an issue whenever it comes up or whenever you think something's going on, you're going to always revert back to her and you're going to hold that over her head. You can't marry somebody in that way. So you have to figure out if you can get over it. If not, you can't marry her because it's always going to be an issue. And if it's always going to be an issue for you, it's always going to be an issue. It's never going away. You can't unring a bell. So either you have to figure out if it's something that you can deal with or you should not go into a marriage. You don't get married if you can't, because it's always going to be there. Okay. Here's what Abby said. Dear God, you now see your fiancé clearly, worse and all. The problem with falling in love 
what I define as infatuation, is that you don't yet know who the person is. Regardless of how your fiancé finance her education, she deserves respect for being honest with you, done as much as she can to improve her life. You must now ask yourself if you can see past her past. If she is someone you would be happy spending the rest of your life with, remember, I live in Los Angeles, and in this town, her revelation wouldn't necessarily be a deal breaker. So, Dear Abby said pretty much kind of similar, like, you know, well, it is what it you is. Don't, if you live in Nebraska, that's a big deal. Los Angeles is not. But if you live in Nebraska, that's a big deal. That means but, everybody saw your woman's behind. That's a huge deal. That's a, right. that's a, LA, like the town saw it. LA, so right. right. The town knows. I'm, yeah. I'm you know, I, I'm going to give you the round because I, I like how you address some things that she did, and she just kind of downplayed it. I'll tell you, and if you're in the chat room, you want to weigh in on this, you can. I don't know what your thoughts are. Thumbs up. Oh, look who showed up. Crystal yes. J404, my favorite girl from Germany. How you doing, Crystal? She said, love is love. Love is love. Oh, I don't know. Here's, here's the issue. I no, she said have. LOL. You can't. Yeah. What? She said LOL. Yeah, no. <laughs> But here's here's what's interesting, and I'm gonna give I'm gonna give it to Nikki. Crystal says Nikki, and I'm with you on this. But here's the only thing I think that he has to put that probably bothers him. He knew about the rumors, and he asked her about it before they really got deep into the relationship, and she admitted, but she omitted that part. And honestly, I kind of would have a problem. Like, okay, when we talked about this, you told me you did it, but why would you leave out something like that? Because that's probably the most important part and that to me that damages the honesty and the trust and I don't know if he can really get past that because he's now not only people seeing you naked people have been making you pliable and bend over in ways that maybe I don't want to know about or maybe you know what I'm saying yes now, I, get, I get that but that was the first date again that's that's team that's too much info on the first date it's like maybe we won't even have a second date you ask me a question I will answer it but maybe I don't have to reveal all everything because what if we don't even get to that point that's something you don't need to know right now that's on a need to know basis I think when it yeah, kind of got a little bit so you don't tell no I wouldn't not on first date you can't say that well you can't I say that look, here's 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 what I see about coming clean whether you like this or not she didn't bring it up like, hey, I want to reveal to you that I used to I used to strip. No. Right. He put the question on the table. So if you're going to have a certain level of transparency and honesty with somebody, you might as well come clean. Because then what it looks like later down the road, and you can say, well, it was new when I wanted you to like me, but now you seem very dishonest. And you're like, that's not good. You've compromised the trust. He asked. I'm not saying you offer, but if somebody asks, you might as well go ahead and just break it in and be honest about it. And then either he can get past it, but now you've allowed him to fall in love with you, and now he's doubting it. See, this doubt could have been avoided had she done it early on. And he might have been like, you know what, I'm going to work past it because she's grown. She's changed. And right. he was honest with me. So the well, then, you know what, his, it, his interview skill sucks. He asked if I was a stripper. He didn't ask if I was a prostitute. you got to get your you questions right. It's you girls, <laughs> girls like you, girls like you to get people in trouble. You better, ask, okay. you better ask. You better ask the right question. Goes to Nikki. Crystal says so, and I give it to you too. But transparency, when it matters, don't let somebody fall in love with you and you drop the boom. Not cool. If you were okay. driving like it was hot in more ways than one, and you were sharing yourself in that way, you need to be honest. Seriously. Okay. Round two. Now this one. Oh my God. This is a doozy. And I don't understand okay. this at all. But here, you, you'll put this in perspective. Woman's crush on gay man could threaten their friendship. Yeah. I met a guy, let's call him Ryan, about 10 weeks ago. We hit it off right away. I admit, 
I had a little crush on him. About a week after we met, he came out to he came out to a group of our mutual friends, me included, that he was gay. So she didn't know initially. I'm very supportive of him, and it didn't change anything between us at all. Over the last several weeks, we have grown to be best friends and continue to go closer and closer. Once I found out Ryan was gay, the rational and practical part of me took over and squashed the crush I had on him in the beginning. But now that feeling is coming back even stronger. I know our friendship can never be anything more, more, anything more than platonic, I guess. I'm just asking how I can get over him while still maintaining our close friendship because ultimately that means the world to me and I don't want to lose it. Friend only in Washington, D.C. I don't have time for this fool. How what do you mean how you get over <laughs> time for this fool? How do I get over him? You have no choice. Sometimes you just don't have a choice. He doesn't like you. See, I don't understand when people like people that don't like them back. I'm not that kind of person. Once, if I'm like, oh, I thought you was cute. I'm gay. Okay, I'm done. Automatically, I'm done. I don't like you anymore because you don't like me. I don't do that kind of thing. If it can't be reciprocated, that automatically takes me out of the equation, and I'll have a problem with that. If you want to go around liking somebody that has absolutely no vested interest in you, then that's your problem. You just have to get over it because it's not a choice. It's nothing you can do. And if that's your friend, that's what it's going to be. Knock it off and quit being silly. He doesn't like you. Now stop being silly and stop asking dumb questions. That's a dumb question. Well, now, here's what Abby had to say. Dear friend only, it's not easy to think rationally when emotions are involved. Ryan may have everything you want in a man, but he will not be a romantic partner for you. If spending time around him becomes too painful, you may have to put some distance between the two of you until you regain your emotional balance. I mean, is it going to keep coming back? I mean, can you can, do you have to stop being his friend, or is it going to keep coming back? Like, if you stop seeing him for two weeks and then you see him again, you're like, oh, I'm in love again. Like, you have to really be rational about this. He does not, he's not interested in you. So you have to make a decision. Do I want to be his friend? And if we're going to be friends, that's all it's going to be. What are you doing? I don't, this makes I, no sense to me. This is a no brainer. I do think she has to. I, I'll, I'll give this to you. Crystal, help me out on this in the chat room. Um, allowing the, it feels like Abby is saying, let the feelings kind of come and go and deal with it. I think she needs to deal with it, put it in perspective. It's never going to happen. So you allowing the feelings to come, keep coming back is not going to be helpful right. to the friendship. It's going to probably cause more no. issues than anything else because of how you feel. Absolutely. So you got to deal with it Absolutely. and either move on or move out of the relationship altogether. So I think that needs Absolutely. to be put into perspective. So I'll give you round two because so far, good up on two. Sweet. You can always add your comments. If you're in the chat room, you can say thumbs up, Nikki, thumbs down, Nikki, thumbs up, Abby, thumbs down, Abby, either way. Third round. All right. <laughs> this really made me giggle, seriously, because this is, <laughs> I don't, I can't even, why is the question. Staying on parents' phone plan will cost grad students his privacy. I'm 26 years old, currently living in Boston, and in my final year of grad school. My parents help me out with finances because I have very little income. One of the things they have done is keep me on the family phone plan. However, there's a catch. They recently announced that my cost for staying on their phone plan is installing an app that allows them to track my location at all times. <laughs> in Boston, that's not a huge deal, but when I'm visiting them in Georgia on breaks, it's a point of contention since I must let them know I'm taking a car, it alerts them to the fact that I'll be out. Um, they can trace. It's privacy. 
Well, I told them I paid my portion of the bill. Their response was, well, you prefer more text and phone calls. How can I deal with the situation? Needs my privacy. You need a track phone if that's all you can afford. Other than that, if you're going to act like a child, they're going to treat you like a child. It's just no two ways around that. You're 26 years old. Get your own phone plan, and you don't have to have an elaborate one, but if you would like some sort of privacy and a sense of privacy as a 26-year-old adult, then you need to go to Walmart, get some minutes, stay within the minutes that you can afford. If not, you're going to stay on your parents' plan. That's what children do, and they're going to treat you like a child. And if you use me, I'm going to follow you too. Now, how about that? Be an adult or be a child. And that's it. Track phone, minutes, Virgin Mobile, I'm get on it. <laughs> I'm with you. Abby, your parents are treating you like a child, although you are an adult, and should be entitled to some privacy. Look into the ways of getting a reasonable price plan. Pray, pay phone. And when you visit them, refrain from using their car if it's an issue. Perhaps your friends can pick you up and drop you off instead. Okay, you guys both say they grow up. So. I'll yes. put that round. You both are the same thing. He okay. needs to grow up and get his own stuff together. All right. It looks like maybe we sparked some interest on this. A hand is up. We got a caller. Oh, boy. Is this? Oh, gosh. This no. My caller from Monday from the 818 area code. <laughs> That's right. It's me, the greatest Now what did I say? <laughs> now what did we do? Welcome back hey, what, to the show. Like am I not welcome on, on the program? Of course. No, we're just wondering what we. No, we we're we're not talking about children. We're just oh, we did. I don't know. We we did. What did we do? Go ahead. Well, well, actually, actually, it was a coincidence. I was actually like, wow, what a coincidence when I called you. We're going over that. No, because the last time the show had to end, so I don't know if we had any closure on that. I just wanted to follow up. Uh, Were you guys wrong? Did I win a debate? What happened? No, we're in the middle of something. But can you hang on and let me finish this round, and then we can close you out. Can we do that? I mean, yeah, it's, it's your program. I don't want to. I don't want to annoy you guys. I was hoping to, you know, uh, go over that. Never annoying. But I'll tell you what. We'll wrap Never up annoying. Segment. Never yes. annoying. Wrap up this segment and we'll come back. And if you missed that conversation on Monday, you're going to want to sit tight. To it's, it's worth listening to. So sit tight, caller. And when we finish the segment, I'll come back to you. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. No problem. All right. So. Um, you guys both agreed, Nikki, on what he needs to grow up and get a track phone and have his friends come get him, as you would if you were 21. And your parents cannot track you. That's actually weird. I think the parents wanted to get him off the family plan first. But pretty much. Pretty much. That's what it is. All right, final round. Here it goes. Service with a smile is hard to deliver with bad teeth. I have a problem. Maya, you wrong for this. Um, you are wrong for this. I have what did you say? I have a of my own <laughs> making. When I was young or a teenager, I never brushed my teeth. That right there frightens me. Because of it, the enamel of my teeth eroded, and I have cavities, really bad ones. Add to a desperate fear of dentists, and my teeth are in horrible shape now. When I smile, my front teeth are mostly black. I work in customer service. I'm too young to have awful teeth, and I'm ashamed. I saw a dentist recently, and I've made an appointment to have my dentist address the issues. But it's expensive, and it won't be for a few months. I've never been so aware of how bad my teeth are as I am now, and I'm consciously keeping myself from smiling. It makes working in customer service really hard because I'm constantly thinking, don't let them see my teeth. But even then, when I'm just talking, I know people can see them. It's impossible to say, I know my teeth are disgusting, but I'm getting them fixed, so please don't judge me to every person I meet, but I feel very like doing so. I'm a socially anxious person anyway, and this is killing me already my poor social skills. I need advice. Hiding my smile in New Jersey. 
I told you we'd end up with you know being able to make people laugh or smile. This is this is wrong. This is wrong. This, this is wrong. Unless you got a yuck mouth, then you can't. You got you can't. It's nothing you could do. I don't know if there's a quick fix to black teeth. Like, is it something that you can put over like temporary? No. Thing? There's no quick fix. Out. So. I mean, exactly. There's absolutely nothing you can do. You're just going to have to continue and trust you. I mean, your teeth didn't start being black today. What made you now all of a sudden be conscious today? So apparently you've been he living does. with this issue. He's, no, Maya. This person works in, and they work in customer service, and now they're probably more aware. When they talk to people, people are probably staring in their mouth like, is that a black hole or is that teeth? I mean, really? You don't have to work in customer service to have people stare. And if you were just out and about and you say something, people are like, oh my god, you don't have to be behind a desk to make people go, oh my god, <laughs> oh my god. That doesn't make you. You know what I mean? You didn't start. Trust me, this is not the first time somebody has reacted to your mouth if you've never brushed your teeth in your whole entire life. So now you want to rectify the problem. You were fine with it, but now it's an issue. You just have to wait it out and go to the dentist and get your teeth fixed. And that's all you can do. Other than that, talk uh, like this. <laughs> Bam, bam. <laughs> Gum it. Only I, I can see that across FaceTime. All right. Abby said, I've addressed the importance of good hygiene in um, columns before, so I won't labor on it. For the sake of overall physical health, I'm very glad you decided to deal with your dental problems. It will pay big dividends in your future. But for the time being, having set an appointment to get your dental work and possibly for a dental work done, you're going to have to deal with it is pretty much what she said. I, I don't know why they wrote it because I'm just like, I don't I'm either. You on this. It's, you survived this long, and if people right. are making fun of you, well, one, it's probably rude, but it's human nature when we see things that you're not doing, which is like brushing your teeth, which is weird to me how people don't brush their teeth. I don't understand that. That's the yeah. worst feeling ever if I cannot yes. brush my teeth. But either way, everyone's different. But the bottom line is, you sucked it up this long, and apparently somebody thought you had decent skills because they hired you looking like that. Right, right. So, yeah, Suck got it. And like, don't don't smile as often. Like you said, just don't really smile, or don't show your teeth when you smile. And got that's it. that. That's all you can do. That's it. That's it. Got got it. That. <laughs> all right. Technically, you win three to one. So once again, you almost sweep Abby. And what would Nikki say? So, honest, real advice, folks. That's what we do here. If you ever have Yay! a question for Nikki, just don't be afraid to ask her because she will tell you what she thinks. <laughs> and it's usually honest. Now, if it's too out there, I will kind of say, now, disclaimer on this. She might do this, but this might get you in trouble. <laughs> I do put the disclaimer on it. We do. We'll put a disclaimer on it. Yes. I can yeah, I can send mind you mind. off sometimes. Yes, I can send you off sometimes. But not... I did well. We stayed into the realm. Nobody's going to get in trouble, but we will put a disclaimer if I send you off. <laughs> we'll do that. All right. We're going to take our final break before we get to our close-up segment. And our caller who wants to chime back in on our conversation Monday, if you missed it, yeah, just sit tight because it's one of those things that I'll be curious. We have a chat room full of people. It'll allow you to weigh in on what the conversation was about and what you think about when minors have sex with adults. Is it really appropriate with maturity being involved? Now, with me being say, saying that, because I just said a whole lot for you to chew on everybody, sit tight. We'll be right back.
You're almost exactly what I need A definite maybe It's just to entice what you'll be I can't help but think that this doesn't add I'm trying to separate the facts from all the we're living in a world of contradiction And if baby you're the truth Then I'm lying next to you When you're the distance and I'll be your one And you're the perfect plan I never Listeners kind of can get involved 
With that being said, if you're in the chat room, feel free to weigh your comments in on this, and I'm sure you'll have something to say besides just what you I think. Or if you're brave, you can call in 310-807-5211. Make sure you hit the one button so I know you got your hand up and you got something to say. So let me set the table first before I bring the caller on. On Monday in our segment, we were talking about how R. Kelly, who is a obviously entertainment, he's a performer, artist, whatever, made a comment about Bill Cosby in regards to that he was a pervert and pretty much belonged in jail. And Nikki and I had an issue with that specifically because we're like, R. Kelly, people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. You know, pretty much you were on trial for having sex with a minor, which makes you a pedophile, and pretty much got no jail time. And I've always had an issue with the fact that, one, I felt like people really re-embraced him, and he's a pedophile. So we had a caller Mm -hmm. who called in to kind of put things in perspective about pedophiles and the label or the view that people get for maybe being interested in younger individuals. So welcome back to the show, my caller from the 818, which is Sam Bernardino, California. All right, I'm going to open the stage to you to kind of, I said, I told the callers what the previous show conversation was about. As your perspective on why you think it might be a bit skewed for people to be labeled as pedophiles or to go to jail for having sex with a minor. Yeah, so first of all, I'm actually not in San Bernardino. I'm in uh, the greatest city in America, Los Angeles, Los Angeles. California. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, <laughs> sorry? Well, anyway, so um, what was that? Say it again. No, That's go ahead. Difference. I'm making a joke. In Illinois, okay, California, no. it all looks the same. Just, just kidding. So, um, so just to make sure I understand, in the last time I, when I was on the phone with you guys, I got the impression, and you know, that there were you, you agreed with me to a certain extent that not every man should be punished. And it's normal to want a woman under 18, and that they all shouldn't, you know, you know, basically shouldn't go to jail. But I, I just I want didn't. to clarify. Did, did, okay, I did not. Okay. This is Nikki. I did okay. not. But go ahead. Okay. So, so Nikki, so I'm curious. Um, I made a lot of good points, and I, I heard all your points of, in general. I'm not saying it was perfect, but I got your gist of it. What, what am I missing that you don't agree with? And by the way, do you guys know what the definition of a pedophile actually is? Because R. Kelly, why don't you, from that girl, why don't you give it is to not us. a pedophile. Okay. No, but why don't you, guys you, use the word, you guys use the word pedophile, so you guys know what it is? Okay, first, let me clarify something, because when people start listening, I don't want to be like, my was okay with men having no. Let me say what I said specifically in that conversation, which, by the way, you're always welcome to go back and listen to that podcast. What I said was this, that I understand that there are young girls who look very adult and that men can be attracted to them. I'm not going to act like that's not true, because it is true by all means. I said, and at one point in this country, it was perfectly socially and legally acceptable that men would have sex and marry young girls even at the age of 12. We're talking about at the turn of the century how that was. It was acceptable. We have then since social values and laws that that is no longer acceptable. That was the framework that I put in there. Now, I did say that there are definitely do, girls who look adult, and I can see why men are attracted. But I was also very Do you guys know what a pedophile is? Why don't you tell us? Let me, but you let guys me use the word, sorry. I use the word, I use the word, but I'm about to get there. Cause I want to make sure the listeners don't think that I was co-signing men having sex with minors. And the age of 14 is kind of what came up. So I said I understood that men can be attracted to younger girls. Absolutely. Now, in regards to what a pedophile is, <clears throat> and being that I am mm-hmm. a person who works in mental health, it is a psychiatric disorder that we look at by the dsmv 5 that we use. And how it's classified is when an adult pretty much experiences or has a sexual attraction to what is considered to be a minor. 
Now, we also talked wrong. about... Wrong. Know, no, you're wrong. Bit, no, you're wrong. Bit, a little bit before, I'm not done talking. So sit down mm. and pay attention. Well, sit down and pay time. attention. Come on. So it's having a primary kind of attraction, sexual attraction, to what is more defined as not more so adolescents as kids that are prepubescent, which means any time a kid from the DSMV, we say 11 years old or younger, is that's actually the criteria that we use to make somebody a pedophile. 11 and there you go. is what we look at. Oh. So Bottom was R. Kelly's girl 11 and under? That's what the DSMV says. So was R. Kelly's girl 11 and under? No, she she was 14. But either way, she's a minor, so, and I'm not okay with it. So why'd you call him a pedophile? Because that's how I feel about him messing around with young girls. <laughs> what do you mean how you feel about it? It's not feely. And by the way, I'm entitled to feel how I I'm entitled to feel how I feel. Okay, I you know what? Then, then, why, then you know what? Why don't we? Why don't we call? Then why don't we call R. Kelly a donut man? Because I feel like calling him a donut man. Then you can call him a donut man. Go right ahead. Okay, that, call him a donut but that man. That wouldn't make logical sense. See, this is why, like I told you guys, people go on emotion on this, especially ladies, and they go by like, logic. A pedophile, as you pointed out, is someone who likes children who haven't reached puberty. That is a pedophile. Someone who likes a teenage girl who's 14, if you want to go under the correct classification, I think it's called an ebiophile. 11 to 14 is an ebiophile. Yes, someone it is 16, called an ebiophile. Someone who likes girls who are 16 and 19, I think, are hepiophile. They even have a file for men who like women, and they even have a file for men who like grannies. Yes. So the point is, a yes. lot of these files there, there are is. just ridiculous. Yes, there's there ridic- so can I just, these terminologies are 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 arbitrary things that okay. some moron came up with and just randomly labeled. If you like women, there's a file for that. Did you know that? Look, let me tell you something. Let me put. Let me have real talk with you, and let me put this in perspective. Yeah, please, please, no anytime, emotions. No, 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 no. Listen, anytime a grown ass man, anytime a grown ass man, you can anytime. be attracted to a girl. You can be attracted to a girl who's fourteen, who's twelve. Who's 12, 11, because 12 is right there. Uh, no, that's not pedophile. Anytime you're attracted to a girl like that, I'm not saying you're not going to look at her and think she's not Why pretty. Why did you call R. Kelly a pedophile? I still want to know. Here's the difference. Why did you here's call R. Kelly a pedophile? Man who likes young girls, here's the difference. You can be who attracted doesn't like to the I thought you acknowledged that most men like young girls. Wow, you're being mean today. You were nicer last time. With an individual who is not emotionally <clears throat> and mentally Mature enough is a problem. It's called okay, okay, okay. Can, can I respond? Can, you know, we have a limited time here. Can I can I respond? First of all, uh, there must be two different ladies because not, I don't mean the other lady on the phone. I mean you, Maya. There must be two different Mayas because the last <laughs> time I talked to you, the last time I talked to you, you were a lot more nicer and open-minded. You not only said it was normal to like women, you basically understood that it, it is happened. Normal to like women. No, no, hold on. Let me finish. You've acknowledged that. You've said it's happened. Now, all of a sudden, you're being sarcastic. You refer to me as the guy who likes young girls. You make it seem like it's sick and nasty. Can you, know you why? pick an opinion and stick with it, please? You know why? Because, first of all, you're being disrespectful and not letting me talk. And last time I checked, this was called the Maya Kai Show Unplugged featuring Nikki Grayson. Uh-huh. Two, you came in oh, here and okay. tried to set the stage that I said it was okay for young men for men to have sex with young girls, and I didn't. Well, I yes, you did. I, I, I played the tape. I played the tape. I played the tape. I played it. Anybody okay, can right. go back and listen to it. Go back. I encourage okay. everybody, go back and listen to Monday's podcast. And the bottom line is I okay. said, historically, yes, men have been attracted to young girls, and it was legal to marry. Absolutely. Okay, I so even why, said so there are young so girls so why, so why, who so look why, very why mature. So why are you, so why are you being never mean and so, no, Hold on. Why, why, why are you being mean and from. See, you're not even listening Here's to what that. I you're didn't deviate not, from. You're not even listening. Here's what it's like I talking didn't to a teenage girl. It's like talking to a teenage girl. Go ahead. 
here's what I didn't deviate from. Yes, Master. Bottom yes. line is this. A girl in 14, it doesn't matter what she looks like. It doesn't matter what her life experience is. It doesn't matter maybe she's a big crystal and lives live life. She's still emotionally not at a point or emotionally that she should be involved with an older <sighs> man. She's not. If you don't believe it, everybody, go back and listen to the pot. Nikki, you were there. I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm curious. Are you, actually, are, you actually, are you actually interested in my opinion at all, or is this like you said it's your program, we're going to kind of filibusters the whole time? Can I say something program. there? Hello? You had to say. I did hear what you had to say, no, but no, you're but not let me, going let me to make address me feel me. like it's okay. I'm not going to change my stand. I'm not okay no, with but, older men or well, older I'm, women I'm, having sex with children. Okay, I'm not. Then, uh, okay, but you don't even know my side of it. You don't, because if you did, you wouldn't say what you said. I'm still asking you a question which you have not given me an answer other than you felt like it. Why are what? How about let me change my question? Are you going to admit you were wrong? To call R. Kelly a pedophile? No, I'm not. He likes young girls. That's a problem. Now, if you want to get in, here's, here's what I think is so funny. I love when people are remotely or Do you know what the definition of a pedophile is? Do you know what the definition of a pedophile is? People want to jump into semantics all the time. Here's what I love about it. Let's just engage in the focus of the word. Let's just say, well, technically using pedophile isn't correct. Okay, I'll go with you on that 818. Technically based on what a pedophile is, the girl was 14, so she was over the age of 11, which means he can't be a pedophile. But here's what doesn't change for me. The bottom line is that she was a minor. She, he was guilty of statutory rape, which I said, and he should have gone to jail for it. Bottom line. That, does, that doesn't change for me. It doesn't change for me. Let's take a call from the 491, a, whole, a bunch of more numbers that I know. They could possibly come from whatever area code. You're going to get the last comment on the show here. Welcome to the Maya Kai Show on Slug featuring Nikki Nikki Brain. What's your thoughts on this? Hello. Um, I think this guy that's talking is like a 50-year-old guy who jerks off to Star Wars. I don't know. Um, I don't know. This is Crystal from Germany, and this kind of guy right here, he's what they I call they call those guys the guys from the MGTOW movement, and basically um, to get a reaction out of women and to prove that women are emotional, they get very literal, they get very specific, they try to come at you from different angles, just like he kept trying to mm. trap into this quote unquote professional Semantics. definition of yes. He's playing a game. He's getting attention that he would never give. He was totally getting off on it. And to me, he's just an old man probably getting off on Star Wars every night. I mean, he's really just playing a game. <laughs> All right, really, Crystal. I, thank you for calling. So I, 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 I totally agree with you that a man who's 40 has no reason to mess with a one, even though she may look older, a 13 or 14-year-old, they are not emotionally no. nor physically ready for that type of behavior. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Right, thank you, Crystal. And just like that, that's how it works. But you know what? The A one eight. He always. Unfortunately, you call me in the show, and I can't. I can't spend the time on this. But you know what, Nikki? I'm willing to have a conversation with this because I would like to have other men weigh in on their perspective. And I'm by by terminology, how it's defined. Yes, R. Kelsey was not a pedophile. I'll admit that, but it doesn't matter to me because he likes young girls. And just because she happened to be over the age of 11 and she wasn't creepy doesn't mean we I'm get okay. the semantics of it. But we get, get the, the semantics of it. it. Technically, a pedo- we, if you want to do that and slice it up in whatever file he is, he's a file and it's not a good one. So we get what that, you understand? <laughs> it's not a great, whatever his file is, it's not pedo, whatever the next one is, it's still not a cool file to have 
<laughs> you understand not, what I mean? In it, your repertoire. Not, so I'm there. always going to advocate for it's people, not. and they're easy to be taken advantage yes. of. And if you're 30 yes. and I'm 14, your life experience and sexual experience totally supersedes me on so many levels. Right. It's not a good matchup, folks. I'm sorry. Absolutely. It's not. But I'm willing to re-engage in this conversation when there's more to be sure. had, more time. Uh, actually, we're over our time. So with that being said, uh, we must end the show. Thank you for tuning in. If you missed any of the shows, if you want to know what I said on Monday, and please, <laughs> Go back and listen, and I think I was pretty consistent in what I said. You can go here on Blog Talk, or you can go to the iTunes page podcast section and search Maya Kai Presents and listen to the podcast, or you can go to my website, mayaakai.com, and everything is there. Of course, we're back on Friday from noon to 2 p.m. Make sure you join us. Nikki, if they'd like to harass you and give you some antics when we're not on air, where can they find you? Don't. <laughs> Do not. I'm Nikki Braden on Facebook and Twitter. The Nikki Braden on Instagram. Thank you, everybody, for joining the chat room and joining the show. Have a happy hump day, and if you get the opportunity, please do something nice. All right, everybody. We'll see you on Friday. Follow Maya on Twitter at The Maya Akai Show, on Instagram at Maya Akai, and friend her on Facebook. Social media is bringing us all closer together. The Maya Akai Show. Radio never looks so good. Eh, I'm going to retweet this. <laughs>